Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the Active Skin Repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 111. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Dr. Julie Hanks about the cost of idealizing motherhood and what it means for our homes. If you've ever felt like you weren't enough or that you were doing a bad job, Stay tuned because Dr. Hanks has some amazing advice to share with us. Hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. If this is your first time here, well, welcome and thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy what you hear and you come back for more. As I was editing and getting this show ready to air today, I was just blown away. I mean, today's guest shares not only amazing tips, but there are tons of nuggets of wisdom sprinkled throughout. And while a lot of this information was geared toward myself, I was asking the questions. And yes, I did get a little bit vulnerable today, maybe a little bit more than normal. I know that I am not alone. And so the answers and the information, it's bound to help you too. Dr. Julie Hanks is a licensed psychotherapist, content creator, thought leader, online influencer, owner of Wastash Family Therapy Clinics in Utah, and host of the Ask Dr. Julie Hanks podcast. She is also the author of two books, The Burnout Cure and The Assertiveness Guide for Women, which we actually did touch on in the interview today. And with nearly 30 years of clinical experience, Dr. Hanks provides online resources that empower women to prioritize their dreams, revolutionize their families, and personalize their faith. So be ready for a very fun conversation, a peek into my personal life, and some genuine moments. Go ahead and give it a listen, and when you're done, head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 111 to get the show notes for today's episode with links to Dr. Hanks' website and all of the information that we chat about today. 
Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 111. Again, that's 111. And now let's get to our conversation. Well, hi, Julie. Welcome to the Wannabe Minimalist Show. I am thrilled to have you here today. Well, thank you so much for the invitation, Deanna. Of course, of course. So I have, I've actually watched your um, TEDx talk and we'll get into that in a minute. But for my listeners who haven't heard about you before, can you please tell us about yourself and what led you to this journey of empowering women to prioritize their needs and revolutionize their families? Yes, it kind of goes back to the beginning in my family of origin. I grew up uh, in a family with fairly traditional roles, and I saw how limiting that was, particularly to my mom. And I grew up envisioning a different life than I saw my mom have, although I honor and respect the choices that she made to raise nine children and be a stay-at-home mom. For me, I wanted something different, but I wasn't sure how, if that was possible or how to get it. So, so I w- went on this journey of trying to figure out, you know, is it possible to be a really awesome wife and mom and have a, a rich professional and educational and creative life in addition to that? And so I became a therapist um, and I've specialized with working with women and helping them to really take care of their own needs and and be the main character in their life instead of a supporting character. Hmm. I like how you said that, be the main character in their life, because it doesn't mean that we, you know, we always root for the main characters when we're watching movies. It doesn't mean that they're uncaring. It doesn't mean that they're selfish, selfish. <laughs> right? Do we just say that yeah. at the same time? That's so funny. So, right. It doesn't mean that it means that, you know, they are in charge. Of course they care for the people in their lives, but they definitely understand their own needs. So that's, I, I like how you said that. That was interesting. Okay. So let's get into that TEDx talk. Okay. It was about basically the cost of idealizing motherhood. And so I actually, when I was watching it, I thought that it had a lot of similarities to idealizing our home lives. Well, and I think a lot of motherhood is wrapped up in the home and the home Mm -hmm. life in these traditional roles. Can you give us a quick breakdown? I don't want to rehash it. We'll have a link to it. You guys, if you want to go watch the TEDx talk, and I think I, I recommend you do, but can you just give us a quick breakdown of why we idealize motherhood, what we can do about it. And do you agree with me that it kind of resembles the home? Oh, I totally agree. We collapse motherhood with homemaking and housekeeping. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think we talk about those things as if they're the same when I I don't think they are. Yeah. So I think they are similar. And just to go back to your question, it goes back, well, goes way back. But we'll start with the 1800s, the cult of domesticity, where women were believed to be morally superior, and they're fragile and kind of best suited for the private sphere. Mm. And men were kind of out in the public sphere. And so then you kind of move forward to the 1900s after World War II, men were coming back from the war, and women who had been in the workplace doing kind of quote unquote men's jobs were sent back home and created this like breadwinner homemaker model, which was actually fairly new because for hundreds of years, families had been working together on farms and, and, you know, uh, the agrarian society, that kind of thing. So it was really after world war two, we got this cemented breadwinner homemaker 
role. And women were put on this pedestal of like, you know, the superiority or and kind of put in charge of the home sphere. But it was also very limiting to women, I think, and limiting to men. I mean, rigid roles are limiting to both both genders. So fast forward to now, we have this unrealistic image of motherhood. We idealize it. And I don't know about you, but I was taught like, that's kind of the reason I exist is to become a mother. That's kind of like the main purpose of my life. I grew up in a conservative religious culture where that was taught. And so I realized, you know, this is really important. Motherhood is important. Raising humans is a very important job and it does not define women. Right. Just like our homes don't. define us either. (laughs) Absolutely. So we'll get into that one in a second. I have a couple things I want to step back to. One, I grew up in a home where both of my parents were entrepreneurs, but I did grow up in a house where my mom had her own business. I didn't get to see as much of it as I was maybe in more formative years. I mean, I think she had her business when I was really little. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't necessarily get to see it so much when I was maybe nine and older, when it would have been maybe a little bit more impactful in my life. But it never was that we couldn't do anything. But I still grew up in a fairly traditional home where, yes, there definitely was. My dad always made more money than my mom. And Mm -hmm. so I think those roles still get divided, especially when money comes into play. So money can be really crazy. Mm -hmm. That aside. So I definitely have these issues too, where, you know, you come from these traditional roles and it's still, even if my mom had a business and even if she still went out and did these creative things, it still can impact you. So. Right. Right. The other thing I'm questioning though, is that pedestal, you know, you say that women were put up on this pedestal, but to me, it almost feels like a cage, right? Almost (laughs) as a way to like, to put the window dressing on to say, oh, but you're so delicate, my dear. And yet (laughs) it's the cage. So Mm -hmm. I find that really interesting. Um, And like you said, it's very limiting on both roles because now men feel like they have to go out and it puts so much societal pressure on them to be those breadwinners, to be the security in the family. And then the women feel, you know, in these traditional roles, again, guys, we're talking about tradition. I'm not saying that these are right. Trust me. I am not siding with this here, but it is things we have to necessarily, you know, maybe fight against or be aware of so that we can make the life we want. And a lot of people misunderstand me. I am all for stay-at-home parents, full-time motherhood. I think that's awesome. And the problem is we haven't valued it. What Uh, we've done is put it on a pedestal to try and make it more appealing, make the cage more appealing, but we haven't valued it. And I think it's kind of this overcompensation We haven't valued women's work in general as much as we value men's work. And we haven't valued unpaid work as much as we value paid work. We haven't valued reproductive work like we've valued productive work, which we put in kind of male categories. So there's a lot of trying, I think it's trying to to correct something that needs to be corrected, but in, in a misguided way, right? right? We do need to value unpaid work, invisible labor. We haven't valued that, but idealizing it is not valuing. Valuing is to consider something important. Idealizing is to consider something better than reality. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mm-hmm. like that you made that distinction. I think that makes a big difference, obviously, when we talk about context. Yeah. So that's interesting. Okay. Say that again. Idealizing is what again? Is 
making something appear better than reality. Than reality, right. Valuing is to consider something to be important. Hmm. Yeah. So it does not help us to idealize motherhood because we're all disappointed. Uh If we think it's going to be something that it's not, everyone's disappointed. Everyone's feeling bad and not good enough about how they're doing it. Yeah. And instead of just valuing saying, this is important work. Yes, this is valuable work. Right. You see, you know, the moms that can do it all and that look like they really have it all together. There was a quick story. I was at Legoland with my daughter, I don't know, six months ago, and there was Mm -hmm. this family in front of us and it was um, a mom, a dad, their two children, and then their nanny. And their nanny, I call her Sherpa nanny because she was carrying all the stuff. She had all the hand wipes. She was like the barrier. This was like, we tried to do most things outside. So, you know, COVID was still kind of a thing, Um, but she would like stay back. And then like, they'd make this big old space between them and the people in front of them so that they weren't that many people in line. The mom was taking selfies like, oh, living my best life. This is great. But the nanny was never in the picture. Mm. So here she's putting this, image out into the world that this is so easy. You can do this. Look, I'm having, I'm living my best life. I'm at Legoland. I don't even have to have a backpack. I don't have to deal with like, you know, any of this stuff. It's just me, my kids and my husband, we're having a great time. And I think those are the things that are really toxic. When we sit here on social media and we see these perfect families, perfect quotes, guys, I'm doing quotes here. I know we're not um, putting the video live, but these perfect families where it's not real, right? It is that Mm -hmm. idealization. It's this idea that we can do all of this stuff, but not showing the work that's behind it. Mm. So I think that stuff happens all the time. How do we kind of protect ourselves against knowing that that is the reality? And yet, even when we see the images going, oh, but why doesn't my life look like that? Yeah. Well, you bring up a really important aspect of this, and that is comparison. Mm. What if we didn't even compare? What if we're like, good for her? Right. (laughs) Like, what is it? What does it have to do with me? Someone else's life does not reflect on me. Mm -hmm. And as I've learned personally how to separate that, it's allowed me to go, awesome, having a great, living your best life at Legoland. Well, this is what I'm doing. It has nothing to do with what you're doing. And I can be living my best life and it can look totally different yeah. with the house messy or the kids screaming or whatever, you know? <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So it comes back more to just figuring out our own true value for ourselves mm-hmm. and then being really comfortable in that. And then it makes it easier for us to be like, well, that's great. I'm glad you're doing that. I don't want to do that anyway, type of right. thing. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. I love that you said really understanding our own value and not looking externally to validate that. Yeah. Like self, self-validation is so powerful to go. This is my choice. This is how I'm doing my life. Whether you're full-time at home or you're working part-time or full-time or whatever, you're single, married, whatever, owning your life and valuing what you're doing. It's like, then what, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm venturing off into different territory here. Sorry. Um, no, <laughs> but you're just bringing great. up Let's some really interesting points. And I, I just want to continue this conversation because it's really fascinating to me. What do you tell people when they're like, okay, great. So you want me to value my life, but I'm not where I want to be. What do you tell them to do? Well, decide where you want to be and take one step toward that. 
what if I, at this point, like, I'm just thinking like you were saying, uh, you know, married, single, in a career, not in a career, you know, all these things. Well, some of those things feel a little outside of our control or mm-hmm. at least in the immediate sense, right? Let's say yeah. we have people listening that are like, well, I'd love to be married, but I haven't found the right person. Or I really want to have a child, but my husband and I have been trying and we haven't been able to, or, you know, what are some things that we can do when we're in that moment of like comparison and you're like, great. Okay, great. I want to find my own value, but I want to be that, Mm -hmm. you know, how do we kind of bridge that gap to find the value of where we are right now, knowing it's not where we're going to stay forever, but then getting to that next or making what what you're talking about is valuing ourselves based on roles mm. and and relationships with other people. Mm. I'm talking about valuing not what we do, but just who we are. Our value exists. We have value because we exist and we're human beings. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So the value needs to come from just this inherent worth of human beings. And so if we're looking outside of that to create value, we are at the mercy of infertility or fertility or, you know, someone else being attracted to us, or we're at the mercy of all of these other things in terms of our self-value. So having what we want is not the same as valuing ourselves. Mm, That's a good one. Having what we want is not the same as valuing ourselves. Oh, so good. Well, you are definitely leaving us with some really fun (laughs) moments of truth here. So I'm really enjoying this. One thing I want to talk about is kind of the equivalency of idealizing motherhood and Mm -hmm. idealizing our homes, because I see a lot of this online with, I mean, you can think about Insta-worthy homes, Pinterest, perfect pantries, you know, perfectly created wardrobes and outfits. And honestly, it feels like it's getting nuts. Like it just Mm -hmm. feels like it is comparison overload. And I understand we're not supposed to be comparing each other. And I do really agree that comparison is the thief of joy. But what are some things, how would you recommend that we look at this? Because I have my own way coming from more of like a decluttering organizing perspective from you coming from your perspective of therapy and, um, you know, kind of looking at this world of not idealizing things. How do we look at it from that way? Do you wish you could find an educational podcast that your kids actually want to listen to and you enjoy too? Well, you're in luck. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math, is a weekly show full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. We listened to a few episodes, and not only did our daughter want to listen to more next time we're in the car, I found myself chuckling too. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. You're transported to moments in ancient history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. Plus, they do a great job of teaching math theory without it being boring, complicated, or overly childish. And that can't be easy, but it's not really a surprise considering Mysteries About True Histories is from the creators of the hit podcast Who Smarted, Brain Games on Nat Geo and Disney+, and Brainchild on Netflix. Episodes drop every Thursday, and since they are about 15 minutes, they are the perfect length for kids ages 6 and up. Turn your next car ride, break time, or bedtime into math time with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. A good way to, to look at it is through what are core values. And we are going to have different core values than other people. Like it, say you had to pick your top three. Yours are going to be different than mine. For some people, they value appearance or they value organization or they value what other people think. Or, so there are just lots of different ways to exist. And what are your core values? If it's generosity, well, if someone has a better, you know, perfectly curated living room, okay, that's not what I value most in my life. Mm-hmm. And so really getting clear on what you value mm-hmm. and that other people value different things, that's okay. Got it. You don't have to value what someone else values. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree that yes. And I do think it comes back to that Like you were saying, when we're looking at people online, well, great, go on with your bad self, you know, like Mm -hmm. that's great. You do you. And maybe it's not somewhere I want to be or something I want to be doing. How do I, so this is one thing that I struggle with as a content creator, right? As Mm -hmm. somebody that puts myself out there that as somebody that says, here is what has worked for me really well in my life. And I want to help you and teach you to see if this might help you in your life. And I definitely struggle with this moment of, I don't want to make it seem easier than it is, or I don't want to, you know, put this image out there that people feel like is unattainable or, you know, I don't want to make people feel bad. So how do you do this in your life? Or how can you recommend that I do this, put my best self out there and not feel guilty about playing into this idealization? Right. I think owning that this is your strength your interest and your talent. It is not mine. Trust me. Organization (laughs) is not my talent. And I have many other talents that I own that are mine that I can share. And mine are not going to be the same as the next person. So owning that this is a strength and not every aspect of your life looks no, organize it definitely and, does not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I always say I can organize ideas, but organizing stuff is really hard for me. <laughs> Got it. Okay. And I'm probably so, better at organizing stuff than putting all my thoughts in a coherent way. <laughs> yeah. So everybody has their thing. One thing that I know my uh, followers online appreciate is I will, I will hop on stories without makeup. Mm-hmm. With you know, in my robe, or I'll do, you know, just kind of putting in these glimpses into reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, one morning, I went on there and talked about this conversation I had with my 
husband where I usually would have, it would have gotten into some argument and I actually did it well, you know, I didn't escalate the situation. And so people are like, oh, that's cool. Like you, you're a therapist and you still struggle with communication in your marriage, you know? Mm -hmm. So being, having a glimpse into reality, Mm -hmm. so you're not painting that better than reality picture. So your reality might be that your home is very organized. That's awesome. So what are, show the parts that aren't too. Got it. All right. Okay. I can do that. You can do that. <laughs> I can do it. I got lots of parts of me that are not perfect. So why not? Let's go for it. <laughs> and I think if we can look at other people as inspirations mm-hmm. instead of I should be you. Got it. So I can go, how oh, I'm so inspired by your organization. What can I learn from you, Deanna? Yeah. How can I take some of your strength and and make myself in my life better because I know you. It's not about comparing it. Oh, I'm not as good as her. I'm not as organized, but how can you inspire me? That's what's really cool. Or how can I inspire you to have better communication skills or stand up for yourself or, you know, so we can inspire each other. That's great. Okay. How do we stand up for ourselves? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wrote a book called the assertiveness guide for women. So (laughs) highly recommend that. (laughs) All right. Awesome. I love that. I do. That is definitely one area where I am working on. And we, my husband and I just went to Las Vegas and I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people that like, I don't know what it was just that. I think I was looking at old high school pictures because we were at my parents' house and I was helping my mom organize some photos. And I think like, I just looked back at these photos from when I was little, not little, but younger. Mm -hmm. And I, I have rounded, like I have rounded shoulders from years of slouching. So like, that's always something that I had to work on. And I just realized that I would minimize myself. I didn't want to take space. And Mm -hmm. so now I've called it when we were there and we were there for the week. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna walk out here. I'm gonna take space and I'm going to stand tall and I'm going to walk slow. And if someone's walking toward me and I have the right of way, I'm not going to get out of the way. And I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to say sorry for everything. And like, I've got all these things where now I look at it more as like, I deserve to have space and I am going to take space Mm -hmm. along, you know, for myself in this world. And I'm really trying to work on that, to be more assertive, to not Mm -hmm. feel like it's selfish. So Mm -hmm. I think this conversation is at a really good time because that was like two weeks ago. Yeah. Part of it is, is the tendency we have in our society to rank people Mm. and things one above the other. And we are taught that we need to put ourselves below other people in terms of value in order to be humble or to be generous or to be whatever that is. When everyone is on the same plane, you do not have to be above or below anyone else. So you deserve to take up as much space as the next person does. They don't, it's not less or more than, and it's really that, that ranking Mm -hmm. and putting people above and below each other that where we get into trouble, because we think that's humility or selflessness or, and and putting ourselves equal is selfishness. No, that's just, that's, we're all equal. We all have, my friend says, everyone on the planet is worth one point. There's nothing you can do to be worth less or more. Homeless person on the street, one point. You, one point. President of the country, you know, one point. Everybody is worth 
the same. Our value is not based on what we do, what we look like, you know, how we appear on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And it's interesting because I found myself, what I find so fascinating is that I find myself minimizing myself for complete strangers. I have no Mm. idea what this person is like. They could be a terrible human being. They could, you know, beat their children. I don't know. Trying to think of something really bad. And yet until I know that I almost like find myself, my default is that, is that Mm -hmm. kind of like shrinking? Yes. I hate it. We are taught as women to put other people in front of ourselves or Mm -hmm. above ourselves and their needs are more important and you need to sacrifice and listen to Mm -hmm. them and don't talk about yourself. Don't, don't be too confident because that'll be off-putting. And so we're socialized as women in a way that really works against us mm-hmm. in terms of valuing ourselves, standing up for ourselves. And so I've personally had to work on this too, just yeah. fe- feeling like, you know, I deserve to have a voice yeah. just as much as anyone else. Right. And I want to help other women have a voice too. It's not that my voice matters more than right. anyone else's, right? Exactly. It's like my, let's take care of yourself, have the life you want, speak Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, this is real good. Guys, I'm getting a little therapy session here. This is real good. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully you're coming along with me and this is resonating and it's helping you as much as it's helping me. So I'm really, really thankful for Julie joining us today. This is great. Okay. Let's jump back into a little bit into my sphere and my listeners, because again, this Mm -hmm. is the wannabe minimalist show. We talk a lot about, and it's funny because minimalist even, right? Like I don't want to minimalize my life. I want to minimize the stuff in my life so that my life and the things I do and who I am becomes more important than the stuff Mm -hmm. that I surround myself with. Mm. So it's really interesting, even using words and looking at language around things. You know, as I said that out loud, I was like, oh man. Yeah. I I, I caught that too. I was like, huh, okay. We could go there. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So we talk about decluttering, organizing, valuing ourselves above our stuff, letting go of our stuff so that we can find what we really want in our lives and things like that. So when someone is more on board with that, so obviously the people listening to the show are more on board with that. And I get asked all the time, how do I get my husband and kids on board? How do you maybe transition when people are going from, I've taken a back seat in my life, right? To put you, and I'm going to use very traditional roles because again, Dr. Hanks and I have both said that we grew up in traditional families where maybe the moms took a back seat to the husbands and the kids. So if this is not your life situation, please substitute this with what works for you. I'm not making a judgment call of what is right or wrong here. I'm just saying what we grew up in. So how do you maybe transition from that moment of like, I don't want to be in the back seat anymore. How? Mm-hmm. And so I can see that working in our house, right? I don't want my house to be a mess anymore. Mm-hmm. There are going to be some changes. Mm-hmm. How do you recommend people kind of work through that moment of change. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. The first step is to look at your language. You Mm -hmm. said my house instead Uh of our house. It is not your house. It's our house. Yeah. Interesting. And and I want our house to be uh, clutter free. I want our house. So it's, it's not my house, right? If it's, if you say my house, you own it and it's all your responsibility and everybody else can let go of it. Mm. So language is big. (laughs) Also watch for the word help. Will you okay. help me? Will you help me clean out the, will you help me? No, it's not helping you. It's contributing to the family life. This is our responsibility. This is our job. So it's not help me. It's help our family contribute to our family. Um, yeah. So I, I don't say, oh, thanks for helping me do the dishes. No, thanks for contributing to our family. Mm, nice. It's, so watching language is really key. So start talking about your home in terms of shared ownership. Got it. Okay. okay. I love it. Not yours, right? No. Nope. So now how, how do you get them on board with your vision? Got it. So share with them what your vision is and mm-hmm. what you hope to create and enlist them in, in that. Here, here's what I value. Here's what I'd like to see. What part can you play in that? Because what I want matters just as much mm-hmm. as what you want, right? Right. You, you want to play baseball. And so we take you to baseball practice and we buy you the things and whatever. And this is a way you can support me in something that I value and I want for our family. I like it. Look at that. Calling me out on some of my stuff already. again. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Okay. Got some work. It's funny. We all do. <laughs> I feel like, well, the thing is, I feel like I talk in terms of our, in my house, um, my house, our house, but mm-hmm. again, I'm talking to you. So if I'm talking to you, it's not our house in our conversation. Right. right. So I do feel like I 
think about it in that way, but you're right. I'm not sure I speak about it in that way. So I'm going to have a moment of writing things down. Do they think about it as shared? It's a good question. Yeah. And you may want to ask them. Yeah. Do you feel responsible for how our home runs and how it looks? Yeah. I feel like, well, I would feel like my husband's really good about that. Mm-hmm. The kiddo, not so sure. Not so much. Well, that's, work, that's a work in progress. That's a work in progress for sure. For sure. I yeah. mean, she's really good about like working with me when I want to like, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this today or whatever, you know, and there's always compromises. Like, so we've got a whole day today after the, after our recording, you know, to kind of work on things that she wants to do and things that I want to do. But yeah, interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to look at my language about how I ask her or talk to her about the things we're doing today that are around mm-hmm. the house. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I really appreciate that one. That one's going to be, that one's going to be a tough one. I'm going to have to work on that and I'll, uh, maybe I'll do a whole little series write down what I say. I'll try to record myself a little yeah. bit more because I'm not probably good about remembering what I actually say. So, <laughs> so I, I have a course on creating partnership families. Okay. So part of my dissertation was I developed a model of partnership in family life that supports hmm. women's creativity creative productivity. So in other words, basically, how can we restructure family life so it supports the dreams, aspirations, and goals of women as much as it supports men and children? Hmm. And again, I'm talking about a, in a traditional sure. male-female heterosexual relationship, but even in same-gender relationships, there tends to be one that takes the lead yep in certain spheres more than others. So it, it can apply to all different types of relationships. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen that with my friends too, right? Where it's so interesting how society really can just mold what you think and how you act. And, you know, my friends' relationships that are same-sex um, couples, I've seen mm-hmm. that play out too, where there are, you know, it's really hard to get away from these traditional roles, especially yeah. if that's how you were raised. because it's just the default, you know, so mm-hmm. much kind of just the assumption, the right? Yeah. And I remember when we were first married, we were both working two jobs and in school. And I was like, so why, why is cooking and food my thing? Like what, we never negotiated this. Like, why are you expecting me? And why do I expect me? And we're going to change that. And really questioning those and we've also questioned the other way. Well, why is supporting the family financially yours? Like, I, I don't want you to just car- carry that burden by yourself. Let's, you know, let's share. And, and how can we collaborate together so we both have, have what we want to create? Yeah. Oh, I love that part. Oh my gosh. I could probably talk about this all day, <laughs> but I don't want to, I don't want to do that because there's just so much we could do. Okay. So we've talked about kind of that idealization, getting over the comparison. We've talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, these different roles in our families and how much they play a part in our language. Oh my gosh. I'm so interested to see how that's going to play out in my life. We've talked about, you know, understanding the difference between inspiration and comparison. So I love that. Thank you. That was very helpful because I do really struggle with that moment of like, well, I don't want to make people feel bad if I say like, Hey, everything's awesome over here. Because again, that aspect might be awesome, but it's mm-hmm. not the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Sure. So everybody remember that, remember that please, when you're looking on social and I've already had that conversation, that's why that 
that moment at Legoland is so vivid in my mind because my daughter was with me. And mm-hmm. so we were standing in line and I kind of chuckled a little bit when I was in line and she goes, what? And I was like, I'll tell you when we're out. And so we had a minute of being out. I said, look, like you're going to look on social media and you're going to see this woman that puts out this perfect image of what she thinks, you know, perfection is. I said, but you're not going to get the whole picture. And so I try to have those moments of like, if I have yeah, a little reality clarity and reality check to, to just bring it down in the moment. So it's not like this big conversation I'm having when she's 13, she's nine, you know, so we're going to start getting into those years of, I want a phone. I want to be on these things. And I'm yeah. really nervous about that. So maybe that's a question. How do you talk to your children about comparison and, and getting them past that? It has to do with critical thinking skills and really, really questioning what you see mm. in media. Mm. And on TV, movies, like, is this, is this real? Mm-hmm. And who's benefiting from sharing this message? Mm. Like who benefit from uh, using women's bodies to sell beer or like, you know what I mean? A like, cheeseburger, ask your, a cheeseburger <laughs> whatever. Who's benefiting from this message? Right. What is the message and who's benefiting from it and who's being hurt by it mm. and being reflective about it and not just consuming without having some critical uh, lenses on to kind of go, huh, okay, that's interesting because that's not real. And teaching them when they're young, how to think critically about what they're seeing and not just absorb it like a sponge. I mean, we all absorb it to some degree, but sure. And then asking really good questions. So what, what do you think the message was in that movie? Or what do you think the message is in this person's social media account? What are they trying to make you feel or do or think? Hmm. Okay. Good. Good points. Good points. I'm going to start doing that too on our movies. We have Friday night movie night every night, every oh, week. Fun. So it's kind of a fun time just for us to veg out as a family and we have pizza and watch movie and, you know, kind of yeah, just a fun moment, but yeah, kind of having those, what, what was that about? What did you think? Or what did you think of the movie? Have a little moment of critique and review at the end. Mm-hmm. See what we all thought about it. So <laughs> after a lot of Disney movies, I'm like, okay, so don't get married at 18, like Rapunzel and don't marry a thief and <laughs> or 16, like Ariel. Yeah, really. You know, you can kind of have fun with it too. Not make yeah. it so serious, but oh my but- gosh. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Some of those things, or, you know, maybe like Anna, where you just met him. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Elsa was onto something. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It's fun to, you know, think about those things that we're being told all the time, right. but yeah. Right. And then just think of them with a critical eye. Well, Julie, this has been fascinating. I really hope I really enjoyed this conversation and I really hope other people found it as in as fascinating as in enlightening as I did, because I think we all have these stories that we tell ourselves, whether we realize it or not. And even somebody like myself who thinks like, okay, I feel like I've been working on this for a while and I still feel like there's a lot of things. And even, you know, you caught me in my language and things like that. I think we just need to own up to it and realize that we are all worth one. I love that. Isn't that great? One point. It's so fantastic. So So we we can stop, we can stop hustling for our worth and just decide like, okay, what do I want to create in my life? And what do I have control over and what do I not? And, and what do I want to contribute while I'm running around on this planet? Oh, so good. So very good. All right. Well, where can people find you if they want to find out more? 
Yeah. So on social media at Dr. Julie Hanks, Dr. Julie Hanks, and then drjuliehanks.com is my website. Well, of course we will have the links to all of this in the show notes. So make sure you guys check them out. If you are on the road and can't write that down or can't remember, uh, we will have it all there for you. And then I love to finish every interview with three rapid fire questions. And so the first one is what does minimalism mean to you? It means leading with your values and what's most important and letting the other things go. Ah, that's a good one. It's a new way I've heard that put together. So I really like that. Very cool. And then number two, what is one of your favorite pieces of advice that you'd like to share today that maybe you haven't done so already? Well, I've kind of done so, but I'll make it really clear. What you want for your life matters. Mm, So good. So good. What you want for your life matters. All right. Listen up everyone. That is awesome. And then the last one, what is making you happy right now or in this season of your life? We moved a couple, well, a few months ago, and we got rid of a lot of stuff. You'd be really proud of me. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> and we got rid of a lot of furniture that had just kind of been collecting through the years and wasn't intentional. So I'm having a lot of satisfaction being intentional with placing furniture and and items, you know, it's all intentional instead of just whatever has been collected through the decades, you know? So that's really fun. And then the season of my, uh, or what's making me happy right now, I I have my swimsuit on and I'm heading to the pool. I love to float in the pool that just makes sun and water. I'm a California at heart, Californian at heart living in Utah. Uh, So going sun and water uh, make me happy. I love it. Me too. Me too. Oh, well, Julie, this has been so wonderful. Like I said, really, thank you for joining us and sharing some of your knowledge with us today. All right. You have thank a great you day. Thank you so much. You too. Of course. Whew. As I mentioned, that was a bit of a therapy session for me. So if you found yourself nodding along, well, at least you know that you are not alone as we work on these things together. I have found myself really trying to work on my language more. Of course, I still slip up all the time. My biggest uh, problem is the help me, blah, 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 you know, help me clean this up, help me put this away, help me do the dishes, help me, help me, help me. Um, That's a big one for me. So it's going to take a while for me to get over that one. It's still very much an issue, but at least now I can hear myself saying it and that gives me a moment to reframe it. Well, at least a moment to say, you know, instead of help me, hi, can you help put these you know, groceries away so that we have food later. Can you help get the table set for for our dinner, right? I'm trying to use my language in a much better way. Huh. At least when I mess up, I at least can say it one more time in the way that I hope to say it or that I hope to be my gut reaction as I move forward, right? All of these old habits take a little bit of time to reframe. And so I just want to say a special thank you to Dr. Julie Hanks for sharing her advice and her perspective with us today. If you want to learn more about her or from her, please make sure you check out the links in the show notes at wannabeclutterfree.com slash 111, 111. All right. And with that, I want to turn it to you. Did you have any aha moments or realizations today? Did you feel yourself nodding along with me? 
Well, if you did or you want to, uh, you know, share, please come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and let us know. I really can't wait to hear about it, uh, encourage you, and, you know, just commiserate with you if you're feeling like, oh, I've got some things to work on. I am there too. So I'm here for you. And I, I really want to hear about it and cheer you on. So if you liked this episode or if you found any episode helpful so far, I would love if you would help me out and subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. I would really appreciate it and it would help out the show. (laughs) Of course, if there's anything you want me to talk about, if you have questions about what I discuss or you want me to go into more detail on something, well, please pass along your suggestions. I am all ears. You can DM me on Instagram. I want to be clutter free on social channels. You can email me at deanna at wannabeclutterfree.com, or you can leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I read all of my emails and I read all of my reviews and I do my best to get back to you quickly, make adjustments and implement the ideas that you have. And before I go, I want to give you one final reminder about my big summer sale. It's ending on Sunday after this episode airs. So don't miss out. If you're listening to this when it goes live, you only have a few more days. So right now you can get the Tidy Home Academy and my popular Home Systems Power Pack for one unbelievable price. It just might be the nudge and the helping hand that you need to take back control of your home, declutter and organize it, and create the systems to get it running smoothly. So head on over to wannabeclutterfree.com academy to learn more and sign up. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash academy. All right, that just about wraps up today's show. I hope it was not only helpful, but that it inspires you to take action and make a positive change in your life, no matter how small. Join me here next week for a solo episode. I'm going to be discussing getting ready for back to school minimalist style. I'm also going to be including a capsule wardrobe refresh for my daughter and myself. I recently ripped out everything that was in our main bedroom closet and created a DIY closet organizing system. And so with all of that hard work, it's time for me to update some of my wardrobe pieces as well. And back to school is as good a time as any. All right, I want you to have a fabulous day and I will see you back here next week. I'm Deanna Yates and you've been listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show. Cheers. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.